Hey everyone, Mark DeSalvo here, and you're listening to the DeSalvo Performance Hour. And if you've been a listener before of podcasts I've done, you might recognize this lovely voice from Functional Meatheads, a podcast I did with my old co-host, Froilan Sanchez, for the better part of three years, going back quite a number of years now. Uh, however, we're doing something new now. Uh, it's been a while since I've been recording for Functional Meatheads, and uh, it's been a while since I've been podcasting, so I'm happy to be back doing it. So the DeSalvo Performance Hour is a collection of interviews that I've been doing with people across the health, fitness, wellness, sports, martial arts, all that fun stuff. Um, people who I think have an interesting story to tell or I think that are particularly good at something or have a story worth sharing. Uh, those are the people who I'm interested in interviewing on here. Um, I've been very lucky to meet a lot of those types of people over the years and to meet uh, and expand and have a great, like if you click on your little iPhone contacts list, I've been very lucky to have some really interesting people who I can basically call up or text at any time and you know ask them for help or you know, ask them to cheer me up or tell me a funny story or whatever. And uh, I think it would make for a good podcast, which is why I'm even recording this right now. So uh, on today's podcast, I'm sitting down with a person who is a great friend of mine. He is also my jujitsu coach. Uh, I find him to be one of the most uh, interesting martial artists I've ever come across because I think he has such a passion and skill for teaching and coaching uh, in a way that is not common. Um, almost everyone who meets him who has not ever met him before always says to me afterwards, like, that guy was bred to be a coach. Um, and that's why I wanted to kind of get in his head a little bit and talk to him. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my guest, the black belt extraordinaire and co-owner of Master Sky in Brooklyn, Mr. Alex Eklund. I think the best place to start is where, what got you into martial arts in general? Um, well, like around when did it happen, I should say. You know, as a, as a, as a kid, you know, I was very, you know, impressionable and uh, something that uh, always like uh, stood out to me were like movies, right? The movies that I watched and, and uh, one of the first movies I saw was Bloodsport. I had a you feeling know? you were going to so, say that. Yeah. You know, those that know me know I always joke about it, but it's actually yeah. true. You know, when I saw it, you know, I, I really like... Uh, like I always a lot of the movies that I watched were always with like a strong male lead right and to me there would be no stronger male lead than Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> right. you know flying you know you know halfway across the world you know defending right. a woman's honor defending his you know teacher to me this is like what made a man right and I really looked up to it and then you know I signed up to karate classes a little bit later I begged my parents mm -hmm. and uh, did that for a little while and then um, yeah. later on I did some judo and then you know when I was 17 I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu 17 you started yeah wow and how old are you now? 30. 30? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you've been in it for a while. Where did you start? Um, where did you start jiu-jitsu? I started jiu-jitsu in, in Brooklyn BJJ. Okay. Uh, so it was all in New York here? Yeah. It was, it was always local. And um, I mean, that's 13 years ago. So yeah. how, I mean, obviously I can imagine the scene was very different now back then. Than back then. Yeah. There was, yeah. there was not so many places. And right. even like, you know, when I was 17, you know, I, I, I Mm -hmm. You know, the, the number one place was Henzo's mm -hmm. uh, and also like Fabio Clemente had a school here, Alliance. Right. At that point, he was Alliance and um, maybe only a, a couple of others. Marco yeah. Santos was here. 
Um, but other than that, uh, there was, you know, not, it, it was a very small scene, really. Right. So it's funny, though, I was just thinking about what you were saying before that, though, about how the, uh, that, that there was like this archetypal sort of nature to Bloodsport and John claude yeah. Van Damme that, that brought you to it. Because it was the same for me when I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger movies yeah. when I was a kid. That That's like literally the reason I became obsessed with like all of this is because yeah. it's because of Arnold. It was the same thing. It just, it hit me. Uh, I think Arnold got to me before martial arts, like, like Bruce Lee and some of these old movies, they came a little bit later for me and, yeah. and got me into it. But, um, but I know what you mean. I think, do you think that I, I think about this a lot? I talk about this with a lot of people. Do you think that, that there's something missing like that today? Or, I mean, I think you're a good person to answer this because you're around kids and people of all ages because of yeah. the way you teach. Do you think they have like that kind of idol? Is it like The Rock or is it like... I don't know. Dirty? You know, I don't know what kids these days, you know, uh, what they have. And I don't know, maybe now, you know, you know, uh, like to me, I don't really care about age or this right. or that. But, you know, maybe I am getting older because I'm like, there's no good movies these days, you know? Yeah. I'm like this like grumpy old man right now. That's like, no, the movies back in my day are way better. Like, right. you know... Like the classics to me, you know, still, mm-hmm. are, we have some good new movies that come out, but I, you know, I feel like it's not the same anymore. And, right. you know, also, I mean, like society as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, right now is becoming kind of like, you know, what's, what's, what, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Like there's a lot of like sensitivity, right. there's a lot of censorship. And like back then, like, yeah, if you think about Bloodsport, like, yeah, it is. It's like, you know, it's right. every, 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 it's racist, it's sexist, it's, it's. Uh, a lot of those 80s movies kind of yeah, work. But, you know, yeah, but it's, it's like, I mean, you don't, you don't take it literally, you know, you, you, you know, and it's exactly. just, it's, 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 it's to myself, you know, in my opinion. Right. You know, it just, uh, it just, uh, you know, just something to, to, to laugh about, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. I don't think, but I think there's a lot of good lessons in it. You know, I think it's, um, you know some of the lessons in it like you 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 know you honor your commitment right um you honor your teacher you right. know you def- you defend you know the people that are close to you right right you know like there's a lot of there's a scene in the movie where he defended like a woman's honor right which was like very cool and uh like now we have like you know men in the in the you know train like a woman is is about to sit and the man cuts her off and sits first like right you know it's it's, it's like a different time i feel like you know and um yeah just different right do you think does that difference of time do, do you do you feel that in owning a martial arts school because I, for the people who don't know or that are listening you own two martial arts schools yeah. with with Van and, yeah um, do you think that has I guess I don't know entirely what my question is if it's if it's affected um, people's interest in martial arts because it seems to me like martial arts are sort of having a resurgence like yeah because they seem to be quite popular when I was a kid for those reasons you just said that yeah. you know you had people like John Club Van Dam, you had all the um, the people that people could look up to, yep. you know, but now like it's less so, but at the same time, I think jujitsu is quite popular, more popular than yeah. it's ever been, but uh, yeah, that's my ramble there. But I think, uh, you know, the, the, my, from my point of view, you know, I think um, the percentage of people that start like martial arts and right. their aspirations are to be like a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a, a very small percentage of people. And right. uh, when I started, that was actually one of my, I was like, I actually, I wanted to fight in UFC and I, you know, I was like, you know, daydreaming about, you know, yeah. me fighting and stuff like that. And then, you know, when you research on the online, like, how do I become a UFC fighter? Yeah. They say choose Did you one. Type that in? I kind of, yeah. you know, something along those lines. Right. You research like I was researching on bodybuilding.com and right. yeah. I was researching like when you if you want to fight MMA, what should you do? And people were say, suggesting, mm-hmm. you know, you pick a martial art, 
you know, you master it, then you master the next one and the next one, and you do it like GSP. That was right. kind of like uh, the consensus of, of the people. Right. Like even in New York City, there's like, in New York City itself, there's almost no like MMA schools, right? Right. Um, there are a few places that they train MMA, but you know, there's not like, right, especially not, for MMA. Yeah, not it's dedicated. Not right. dedicated, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's even even today, that's kind of what, pe- what people right. do. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of like what I started. And then you, you get so caught up in the abstraction that jujitsu is and, and it becomes so much fun that you kind of, you, you know, you kind of stray away from it. Right. And I think uh, today, I think most people are, are doing it, you know, because, um, you know, they, maybe they want to find a new way to work out. Right. You know, a lot of people are interested in self-defense. So it's kind of like a win-win. They're like, OK, right. I can you do self-defense and work out at the same time. Um, but I think the amount of people that start, you know, jujitsu for that purpose, like mm-hmm. to, you know, become a professional fighter, I think it's like limited. Right. And uh, they are also not coming to the school that Van and I have. Right. Um, they're probably going to one of the other schools in New York City. Right. Um, so that's why we're, we're not meeting these people as much. Right. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the, um, I, I think that was definitely true that even five years ago, like I've been in. I've been practicing jiu-jitsu regularly probably for almost six years. Yeah. And I would say that the amount of people that were pushed, like, from my wave, they did come from this MMA interest. But yeah. now when I talk to people, they're much less... They might not even watch any yeah. MMA. They just say, I want to learn self-defense. Or I, yeah. or I thought I saw this and I thought it was cool. Yeah. But, like, because for me, my first exposure to jiu-jitsu was Hoist Gracie. Like, that sure. Because we used to go rent... Um, videos at the corner, like the corner video store, and we, I would always rent WWE videos, and like that was like because I loved yeah. professional wrestling, like that was that was my thing back then, like when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Until I was like an embarrassingly old adult, <laughs> like I love WWF, I love yeah. WWE now. But um, one day they were just cleaned out of the wrestling videos. Someone must have come in and just rented them all. Uh-huh. But they had UFC videos. So they had like UFC, I don't even know if it was UFC 1, it was one of the early ones with Boyce yeah. Gracie though. And I was like, yeah, I, I, my friends and I like, heard this is real. This is because like, we knew wrestling was fake. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, I heard this was real. And we had to, uh, we had to get it, we watched it. And it was like, it was weird. Like the early UFCs were a little weird to watch, like um, yeah. coming from, like for a kid that was used to professional wrestling, which is completely fake. And then, um, but that was when I became aware of jiu-jitsu and I was like that I didn't know at the time that I'd want to do it pursue it years ago yeah um, when I was a kid but that was my first exposure but it was in the context still of mixed martial arts it was still in the context of fighting it was not in a whatever so for for what that's worth but um, in terms of owning a martial arts school was that always the goal or was or like you said you wanted to be a fighter first did you choose jiu-jitsu as your first because I know you you got yeah. into Muay Thai for a while. You mentioned judo. Like, what was the first one you got into? And it- uh, well, you know, I did. I did a you know BJJ, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I did it so much. And <clears throat> you know, Van and I, we were working together, and right. uh, you know, we both had some frustrations uh, where we were working. And um, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm kind of like an impulsive person. So yeah. one day I was like, um, I was like, Yo, Van, I'm out, and uh, mm-hmm. I just I quit, and I decided to like move to Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, one wow. of my one of my mentors, uh, Charlie, uh, would always talk about it, and then he helped me out with that. Right. And then Van uh, took over my job here. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I fell in love with Muay Thai. You know, it became like a, I don't know, it became like a new toy. Right. And uh, but Jiu-Jitsu was always my love. Um, and uh, you know, when I came back, I you know I started you know to um, 
like uh, still training jiu-jitsu in Muay Thai and I started teaching jiu-jitsu in my Muay Thai school at the time. And really my goal was honestly, I didn't really have like a, like a, like, like a, like a dream, you know, but I wanted to like fight professionally in MMA mm-hmm. and I had one MMA fight that was amateur. Right. Um, but then, you know, you know, life just, uh, you know, took me on a different course, right. you know, actually I'm probably a little bit better as a teacher than I was as a fighter and competitor. Right. Um, I'm still competing as, you know, but, uh, still like I always enjoy teaching and, you know, I felt like you know, right. that was more of my calling. And, uh, you know, once the ball started rolling, like it started very small. It was literally like, you know, I was teaching um, in my Muay Thai school and then I just wanted a little place for the guys, you know, to train. And then right. it kind of just snowballed and, it, you know, now it kind of blew up. Right. But it was never it was never really intended. But at the same time, like um, I have no other skills. Right. <laughs> so like if, for example, if I if I don't do if I don't teach jiu-jitsu now, like I'm not really sure, like, you know. Right. Maybe I'll work part time in comedy, make some jokes. Right. But other than making some jokes, I don't even know what to do. And uh, like right. Van, he has many other skills. You know, he does videos. He does a lot of other stuff and right. uh, interests. Um, but I think that's I think that's like a common story of a lot of people who get into teaching martial arts or even like at least like the old archetype, even of owning gyms. Like in a generic sense, was yeah. just people were around it constantly, and that was just what they just wanted to do, and they just kind of snowball yeah. but um i did want to ask you though about what you were saying about feeling like you were a better coach than a, and a teacher than than a fighter like becoming like very aware of that or like how did you become aware of that or what what was what 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 set off that switch in your head to think that because because i know that feeling I, I was there once too yeah you know it's 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 even it's even hard to even say that too because like um you know i watched some videos of me teaching like only a couple of years ago and right i'm just like oh man like i wish i could like erase this you know yeah. like and i feel like you know I, I feel like i'm you know a few years away from like really you know getting into my groove and right. uh, you know teaching everybody thinks it's easy but it's really really difficult no it's not easy you know, because you have all these people with different body types that come in, different personalities, different learning mm-hmm. styles, and uh, you know, and you, 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 and also a class that's you know, a lot of our classes we have like brand new people to black belts that come in. So and right. you know, so you can structure a class just for for everybody, and uh, you know, dealing with the, you know a lot of different variables. Yeah. Um, but um, I I think you know uh, the improvement of the students and. Uh, you know, a lot of our students are, are, are doing well in competitions and, you know, they're getting Definitely. really good. Like recently I was rolling, like actually this week I was rolling and I was just like, like, it was kind of, it was, it was like such a weird moment because, um, I was performing so poorly. Right. But then also like I'm performing poorly, but then also my students are performing very well. Right. Yeah. So then I'm like, I'm like, I'm like happy and sad at the same time because I'm like, and in my head, I'm, I'm actually having a clear thought process. And my clear thought process was like, I better get like my, my act together. Right. You know, I better, you know. You know, training. I get it. You know, stay. You know, stay, yeah, yeah, you know, stay on, stay on the path because these guys are getting tough. Like, you trained yesterday with Cambo. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he's, he's tough. He's coming at you like a wild animal. I said that. You know, I came home. And my girlfriend, because she was an Olympic weightlifter, competes. Yeah. So we always talk about like what we did that day. Yeah. And I told her, you know, I re- I told her about Cambo specifically. So yeah. if he is listening. He gets a nice. He's getting a nice, nice big up here. But uh-huh. I, I, I used to roll with him when I first started training at Master Sky. We were pretty, like, competitive. Yeah, head to could, head, yeah. I could pass his guard, you know. I could yeah. kind of fend him off. Yeah, yeah. I can't do any of that to him now. Like, yeah. and, that, and that's, like, a year later. And he's just getting, he is, like, coming at you like a wild animal. And yeah. But in a nice way. You know? Yeah, I mean, of course. That's yeah. a compliment. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think 
you know, getting on that subject though, that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you most because I would consider you like a, a consummate teacher and coach. Thank you. Like I, I really would and really do. And I, I think that that's such an art and a skill and it's one that I think people respect it, but it's not as heralded as, as like amazing athletic accomplishment all the time. I think there's people who change that sometimes, but so many people who I know or at least interact with like our teachers and our coaches and our all these things because I, you know, like I am a teacher and a trainer yeah. and, and like I have colleagues and we talk a lot. And I think a lot of trainers and people like to hear what people like you have to say or me or yeah. other, other coaches. It's just kind of like, industry talk or just to help sharpen your mind there but that was like kind of one thing i wanted people to yeah. kind of get the most out of this was to to hear someone talk about um how they think about coaching and teaching and how they got into it in their journey and finding those sort of common steps that maybe they they can see in themselves or um if any of that makes sense but uh for me there was there was this one um like I grew up in Pittsburgh yeah. and, and I grew up loving hockey and I played hockey from the time I was very young. And, uh, and I, I don't know that I ever thought I could be a professional at it, but I just knew I wanted to keep playing. Yeah. And there was this defenseman that played for the Pittsburgh Penguins for a long time. And, um, but he was not flashy. His name was Rob Scuderi. And I'll probably tell this story a thousand times because I tell this story a lot to people. And they did this article on him once when he was, like, you know, a few years in the league and just, mm -hmm. you know, he's not going to wow you with stats. Like, he never scored goals. He might have an assist here and there. But you could trust him to call the plays. Mm -hmm. You could trust him to make sure people, like, you know, he'd defend the hell out of the blue line, whatever it was. And he always said, you know, I was never told not to come back. Like, I never was, like, an amazing player, but no one ever told me I couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I always looked at playing hockey for me and, yeah. I, and I can remember as I got older the acute moment where it was that I said you know the problem is is like I'm acutely aware of what these guys do really well and I can't do yeah and I can work on a lot of this and I did work on a lot of it but it takes a lot of time and I think to me that's like the the skill one of the skills of coaching is, mm. is understanding acutely what you know your athlete or your student does really well and really doesn't do well and like how you can sort of maximize or balance it out yeah. or whatever it is but understanding that in myself first was the, the point where i was like i should probably be a coach mm -hmm. you know because i really like this stuff but um i don't think i'm going to be playing professionally you know yeah just because i could see the size of the guys at my position or the speed or, yeah. or like i i had the speed but i didn't have the hands I, like i played center but i, I couldn't score or I couldn't, mm. I couldn't set up the way I wanted to, but I keep up with everyone. And that was the main reason I think I played as long as I did, mm. is because I could keep up with everybody. But, um, but I wasn't going to do anything with that. So sure. the, point, the point is I'm making, because it's not like old-time old glory stories. It's just that that, to me, is the skill of, mm. of, of, for some people. But I'd be curious if there was a moment, um, like you said, where you knew, like, or, or um, <clears throat> that kind of, set things off i guess yeah yeah i don't think i had like a specific moment um but definitely you know uh watching people's progress and people's improvements and uh kind of like you know it's kind it's it's interesting right because you're kind of like predicting the future in a sense right because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people they say oh what should i work on or you know when, when van and i are planning the curriculum you know we are uh you know guessing what 
we should be showing or what these students should be doing for them to improve in as little time as possible, right? Right. And, you know, a lot of times you're wrong and you're right. You know, sometimes you're showing these positions to a certain type, you know, certain body type and, you know, just doesn't work for them and you got to make adjustments. So I think it's it's more so on that kind of, uh, but I I don't think there was like a specific moment. Right. Do you think, kind of on that same topic, there's the way I think, jiu-jitsu classes were sort of taught for a while and yeah. like I'm going to show you a technique and now we're going to roll yeah. you know you, I know from just first hand being in your classes that if you know we, we warm up we have you know an open sort of drilling round yeah. um, and, but you've experimented with lots of things in the time I've yeah. known you and taking classes do you think that there's one way that seems to, or there's at least common denominator in, what's sort of an effective way to run a class that you've noticed and maybe even ways that you just found or like just just didn't vibe with you and your students and that kind of thing yeah it's it's you know it's uh difficult you know for the reasons that i mentioned earlier you know because in in one class there's going to be so many different skills uh, skilled you know um and you know also um at this moment like you know when i run a class or whoever runs a class it's usually one person you know right um like to me um the way like a Muay Thai training session is run is the correct way to run. And the way it's run, it's only, it's only really run in like Thailand and right. maybe a couple other places. It's like, it doesn't really even exist that much in America. And like, uh, for example, like every student has a coach mm-hmm. and you're working with your coach for, you know, forever or for a really long period of time. And, right. you know, every single day you're building up on, on your skill levels and your coaches, it's like a sculpture, like slowly carving away and, and, and you know, cleaning right. up your technique and stuff like that and making little adjustments here and there. Um, so, like, I think the problem is, like, you know, first of all, like a lot of places that they don't, they don't have a curriculum yeah. and you walk in and it's just like the flavor of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like an incredible athlete, like, yeah, you'll, you'll get good, but then you'll get good anywhere. You can get good watching YouTube. Exactly, you know, yeah. um, so I think people need more structure. Yeah. You know, so the way we started is, you know, we're still young. We're, you know, at, at, at the moment of this recording, we're, we're, you know, our school's around for three years. We have like a set curriculum where we, you know, we focus, you know, right. uh, you know, for weeks on one subject, you know, and uh, we always listen to the people. We are, we're always listening. What do you need? What do you, what do you guys want? What do you, what do you need more of? Right. And, and as well as staying with the trends. You yeah. know? The reason that jiu-jitsu is like a very, very difficult thing to teach is because like like you can plan a curriculum out for a whole year mm-hmm. and then after three months like like a new trend hits and yeah, yeah. not only do people want to learn it you know you're going to have visitors that you know because we have a very open format that are going to come and you need to know how to defend against it right yeah so it's a huge curveball and uh you know so it's you know ever ever evolving and ever you know always changing um so i, I think this is a huge you know another huge obstacle right know, when you're uh, planning out this kind of stuff yeah so in short my answer would be like uh, you know students would have like a like a self-study almost yeah and you know the positions that we're showing should be added to their self-study yeah from either they can add it to their toolbox to use as part of their game or just know what it is so they they can know how to defend against it yeah exactly yeah that makes sense i remember i took a seminar once with josh vogel and Mm. he that's what he said is that if they're teaching if you're because he's kind of obsessed with learning systems too, which yeah. is why I really like him. Because yeah. I know for me, that I love that stuff because A, I'm trying to teach people things mm-hmm. that aren't jujitsu, but, um, and B is just that, um, that I, I do agree in a lot of times, especially early on, for most people, structure is going to be the thing that goes far. But he always said, 
you know, if take the technique, if, if you're not going to learn, if you're never going to use it, at least learn how A, to defend it, or B, like, how can I, from this technique, get to the technique I love? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And, that's what, and that changed a lot for me, because after I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, now I can really make something out of every yeah. class, you know, because sometimes there's some things where they just go over my head, and I'll, I'll try, and I might even try to try it and roll in that day or the next, but it's like... I have like the short-term memory of a goldfish, so unless I like keep doing it over and over yeah. and over again, it's not happening. I, so I can I can understand that. Um, so to back up for a second though, because I'm sure people are probably, if they're listening, interested in the one thing you mentioned about Thailand. Yeah. How long were you in Thailand, or what? I was there for two months. Two months. Wow. Yeah. So how old were you when you went? So I must have been. I was probably 25. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was about five years ago. And did you yeah. just train Muay Thai when you were there? Is that yeah, like I just, just only Muay Thai, yeah. Right, wow. Were you at a particularly like famous place? or were, How did you look up to even go there? Or did you yeah, so it was... Uh, so Charlie, Charlie had told me oh, you know, cool. about a particular place. Uh, there's a, a guy, his name is Samart Payakarun. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, you know, a living legend in Muay Thai. And where he was like... Uh, I don't think anybody's ever achieved what he achieved because you know, he was a multiple time like a uh, champion in Muay Thai and then he was right. he then he became a, a boxing champion right so he was a champion in two sports and wow. uh so he's incredible and then he became like a like a singer and like a movie star I think so he's like a very interesting you know person altogether so right. he sent me to his camp right um and I trained there for a month and then um then I trained another, another camp wow. uh, for another month and what so and that was like you said where you, that influenced a lot of your structure how you kind of brought things back eventually and applied it to jujitsu, or is that not accurate? Like, like yes know, and no. Yeah. Yes and no, because I'm also like, um, <clears throat> like uh, you know, the way like Muay Thai pad work is done and, you know, mm-hmm. boxing pad work is done, you know, like you can kind of take that and you use that to drill in jujitsu. Right. You know, um, and, uh, you know, there's so there's many like different, you know, like in, in Muay Thai, for example, they do a lot more drilling than they do sparring, for right. example, right? And I always did the opposite. Right. You know, so, you know, it, it, everything was always about sparring. And it's right. like, you know, you, we would drill then and I would, in the classes that we took, we would literally drill for, I don't know, up to 10 minutes, maybe very short time, you know, and then the whole class was all rolling, you know. And yeah. so you get good in the rolling sense, but then, you know, uh, you know, you get really good at, you know, certain positions and you can win tournaments, uh with that style right however for the past few years i've been um like cleaning up my jujitsu because like i was really good at like a couple of positions right and i was like awful at like 80 to 90 percent of everything else right and i was really good at getting to my certain positions and you know forcing people to be in my world right but if that didn't happen then i was like a fish out of water so I've been like really cleaning it up and uh, you know adding more tools and adding more things like the stuff that I like and the stuff that I'm like some people know me for. I even I haven't even done it in in a long time actually. Right. Like when I'm training, I'm doing other stuff. Right. And um, you don't g-roll people that much. I I, I haven't. Yeah. You know, once in a while I, I go I, I go back to it just to right. keep it sharp. You know, I think you yeah. have to. But uh, I've been you know working on so many other things that I'm that I'm happy about. Right. Um, and uh, I think that's something from you know Muay Thai like being well rounded mm-hmm. and you know. Sometimes, like, you know, they'll put on a belly pad and you'll just work knees for one round and then you'll just work clinch. You know, they they, they break it up, you know, and, and, you know, I think this is, you know, really smart way to train. And then they put everything, they combine everything together. So you're not always working on your strengths or what you're good at and you're not always sparring. 
Is it like inside of one session or like over the course of a week or a month? Sometimes inside of the one session, yeah, but it's, you know, usually by biweekly, by you know, gotcha. and a lot of trainings, you know, you actually don't spar. Mm-hmm. And the sparring, it's more like, uh, it's, you know, play fighting. And uh, right. one of the coaches there that I met in Thailand that really inspired me and that was like, you know, in my opinion, one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Uh, he gave me a very funny advice before I was leaving. He goes, he goes, when you go back to America, he goes, don't spar hard. And he goes, find kids, mm-hmm. find little kids and spar with little kids. He was talking about Muay Thai. Right. But what he meant was, because if you can, he was telling me, if I can catch a kid, uh, then I can catch an adult because kids right. are going to be much faster right. and much smaller. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like a funny thing. And uh, then I thought about it. I was like, so you don't have to like really go that hard all the time. And it was like everything. It was it was so different than what I was used to in the states. Yeah. Um, and plus, like um, in the states, like when I would roll, like um, I speak about this in some classes, uh, but maybe Van even doesn't know I speak. I, I talk about this, but like our roles. That when I think back about our roles, I think they're kind of like very like boring, because it was just me like on the bottom of half guard, like defending, right? Just doing everything I can not to get my guard passed. And yeah, like you know. Most you know, most of the time, not much would happen, and you know, in the end, he would pass, or he, you know, earlier or something. But it's very uneventful. Like if you watch it, it just looks like not so much is going on, and there's a lot of value to that. But we would be doing that like every day for years. Right. So it's kind of stupid because we never really opened up. Yeah. And then only later, it took like I don't know, eight years, nine years, we started to open up, and we started to have beautiful transitions and new positions, and yeah. you know, kind of when we, you know, when I or maybe him too, like stopped being afraid to lose or you know, lose an exchange then I think, you know, that's when I started to see a lot of progress. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So, and that was kind of the, you know, off of the Muay Thai tag, you know, playing tag. Right. Right. Do you, do you look at it like there's a time and place for each type of training? Like in other words, like opening up can help kind of widen the skill set. Yes. Versus like focusing in, like looking at the world through a straw might be good for, you know, I just want to make sure my knee shield half guard is just like yeah. airtight. Like, do you uh, do you make that distinction anymore, or you kind of try to keep it pretty open now? I think it's the same. I think it's the the best analogy we can make is you know one that's right up your alley. It's like uh, maxing out. Yeah. You know you shouldn't be you know trying to do your you know one rep max. Yeah. Every single training session. Right. You should once in a while like double check that your one rep max is not going down, right. and you know that you're increasing you know over yeah. a period of time. So that like one rep max is the equivalent in my opinion of just fighting tooth and nail and saying he will never t- pass my guard right, he yeah, will yeah. not get me this day Come hell or high you know water, exactly yeah. you know mm-hmm. so i think it's like once in a while it's very important and you sh- it should be done mm-hmm. um but i just don't think it should be done in every single training session right um long term right you know? that makes sense yeah i mean i i've been around enough jujitsu athletes at a high level now to see that like they're the complaint of like my body feels like just broken is, yeah. is happening younger and younger, yep. you know, probably cause they're starting younger and younger. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, I mean, and it's the same as in here too. Like you, you, in a powerlifting sense, you know, people will debate this, but you should only be testing your one rep max, like maybe outside of competition, like twice a year max. Mm. Like it's like once every six months, basically, I see. you know, yeah. um, or, or if you compete a lot, save those PRs for the platform like mm. for the competition like yeah you don't even really test you come close but yeah. you pull back and then you're going on stage and seeing if you can hit it so um yeah there's a lot of uh i guess it's the musashi thing if you know the way broadly you see it in all things so yeah it's yeah it's very interesting like that um so where 
what's what's like the the goal going forward? What do you now that you have kind of two schools that seem to be running nicely and yeah. it, where where do you want to go? Like where the goal, you know, it's 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 open ended, you know, yeah. and um, because uh, even if five years ago you told me that I would be here, even standing with you talking about this, like right. I would be kind of like really so. I'm not really, you know, (laughs) so it's, it's it's hard to say, but definitely, you know, like, um, right now in New York city, New York city is one of the best places in the world to train jujitsu. People from all over the world travel here just to train jujitsu. Right. Um, and you know, we want to be, you know, one of the top gyms in New York city. Uh, right now we're like, you know, in, in, I'm talking in the competition sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're still behind some of the top gyms right. and uh you know so we want to you know number one be able to, to to rival some of them right right uh that's one of the things um and like next week we're you know we're taking a team to the masters world championships so we're taking right. the necessary steps uh mm-hmm. in order to to do that um that's that's one of the goals um another goal is to just uh, continue to provide a training environment for 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 everybody you yeah. know, it's uh, for anybody that's so what we are known for at this moment is is for accessible gyms, you know, like uh, if people monetarily can't afford it. Right. Uh, we're the people to go to. But not only that, you know, not only in the money sense, in the comfort sense, you know, there's, yeah. you know, we don't have any kind of clicks, you know, and yeah. uh, everyone feels comfortable. Everyone is able to progress. Everyone is able to reach their goals, right. continue to have a place like that and then uh, just grow based on volume, you know. So we're looking for, you know, we, we, we have opportunities to open up more gyms and stuff like that. And I think we're going to do that, you know, soon. But we need, you know, some uh, some manpower. We need some, you know, some help uh, yeah, along the way. I think uh, that's, that was the thing that stood out to me there towards the end is, like you said, the manpower and, and the business of martial arts and having a school. What, yeah. what Has that been something you've kind of taken on? sort of I don't want to say begrudgingly or have you really gotten excited at the idea of like okay I run a gym but it's also a business and taking yeah, on that know, or, or do you try to outsource that to other people or what's your yeah I mean it's like uh, it's you know teaching a jiu-jitsu class is probably the easiest thing you can do right it's the easiest thing you can do Structure, structuring a program, structuring a training environment where people are improving, dealing with people, um, helping people, you know, managing people. This is what, you know, what people don't understand that, you know, we have to do. And this is what's, uh, you know, really, really challenging, you know. Like we have such a structure and we have all these open mats that are official and unofficial where people are, are doing the self-study and they're coming and they're improving on their own. And, right. you know, it's like a, a machine that's running itself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to, you know, provide the people with an environment that fosters this idea. Yeah. Right. So this is something that's, you know, that we, we've been working hard with that we were, we're succeeding with, you know. Um, but uh, there are just so many different wheels that have to be moving at the same time for everything to be able to grow, mm-hmm. and that's really the, the the hardest part, you know. Right. Running a class, you know, you could, you know, there's there's instructors all over the world that run class, and at the same time they're on their phone, yeah. <laughs> you know, doing whatever, and you know, there's you know zoned out. But you know, to 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 know your people, to connect with them, um, to help them, this is this is the you know the, the real the, the real problem, and you know, we're young, and you know, like. Personally, like I've made already so many mistakes, like I, I've made like like I don't know half a dozen mistakes at least dealing with people, right. you know, where where I I was completely wrong and I should have handled the situation completely differently. And 
I was never, you're never going to be in a college classroom that says how to deal with it. So, of course, yeah. you know, so I learned the hard way, you know, right. and, uh, you know, if going forward in the future, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not going to be making these same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, this is the real struggle. Right. It's uh, teaching an arm bar. It's, it's not, That's not easy it's, part, it's, yeah. it's easy, you know, and, that, and that's what a lot of people, they kind of like miss, you know. And sometimes it bothers me when, uh, like, you know, some people compare themselves to me or to others, and they're like, "Oh, you're like running a jiu-jitsu gym, like, you're having fun." It's like, it's like, no, it's not that easy, you know. And no. yeah. before, like, when I was working for Shaolin, you know, anytime somebody would come to me with a complaint or a question that I was unable to answer, I'm like, "Well, go to Shaolin, talk to him," you know. I don't know, like, yeah. what are you asking me? Now there's no more of that. You yeah. Know? Now <laughs> they're going to me and Van, and you know, then we we got to sit down and we have to have meetings and we have to, you know, every day. You know, it's funny, like every day we, you know, we talk about the classes, you know, what happened in one school, what happened in another, any situations that happen, anything that should be better, anything that we should fix. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really like, like, uh, I tell people it's like my baby, right? And it's yeah. like, you know, you gotta, you know, it, 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 the baby's three years old now, you know, yeah. once the baby's 18, you know, it has to be able to be on its own, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at now. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it brings a lot of challenges. I think, yeah, that's a, that's a big misconception that it's just all fun all the time it's yeah. it's like no it's it, it's work but it doesn't mean you can't enjoy your work you know yeah, of it's course just, but of it definitely course. takes work you know? yeah it's one thing i'm learning firsthand a lot about gym ownership same too. thing same here thing. yeah, yeah like absolutely. it's not just lift picking up these weights and it's like nah. you're seeing the person seeing what they need yeah seeing exactly. what'll help them you know it's so many so many things yeah exactly it's i think that's a big part about this business too is that like there's you could you could have a great theoretical knowledge of strength and conditioning you might even be able to apply it decently but if you're if you don't know how to like relate to people interpersonally yeah. or create that buy-in it doesn't matter like yeah. it, you know simple is usually better like there's so many things you're probably like and i don't mean you i just mean the in general, general you that you can leave on the table when helping somebody or working with somebody <clears throat> but it doesn't matter because if you overwhelm them they weren't going to do those three yeah. things that they did do that made them you know do whatever it was that they were they set out to do mm -hmm. you know whether it was win something get get a bigger deadlift whatever it is yeah know? so it's yeah that's that's one perspective i kind of hope to kind of get from a lot of different people who come come through here and talking to the fat grip mics and, and all that fun stuff yeah so i know you have to get back to to the school soon so um is there any messages or anything you want to put out into the to the world or any where can people find you or, yeah, so we have, um, you know, two locations in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, so one is in Bushwick, one is in downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, we also teach classes in Google. And, um, yeah, you know, we're trying to provide, you know, a, a service to the people mm -hmm. um, where, you know, they can reach their goals, you know. And, uh, you know, so, so far we're on the way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely a journey, you know, an, an adventure. Yeah. You know, doing all of that. For sure, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for uh, coming by today. Thank and, you. Uh, uh, you can check out what's the website Masters. so it's uh, mastersky.com so it's the word master the word sky the letter a.com um, and also you know I want to you know I want to thank you and I want to you know uh, I've been working with you and uh, I feel really good um, glad to hear that you know good. so like I, like it's because it's it's I have to I have, I'm wearing two hats right so I'm mm -hmm. you know like a, as a person as uh, you know doing my own thing and as a, as a person to the people and as a person to myself I have to stay sharp so that I can give the best myself to the people. So that's where, you know, you've been helping me so much with. And uh, it's, it's, it's more than just, uh, you know, working with you. It's, you know, the program that you gave to me, this is just a, just a, 
it's a, it's huge, but for me, it's a small thing. You know, it's 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 having somebody that that uh, is oversees me and, and, and motivates me and, and how right. holds me accountable. Like this is invaluable, and this is something that I think most people need. Right. You know, it's uh, and you know, this is something that I'm I'm really really happy with. Oh, so, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's been a pleasure working with you, and and uh, I always look forward to getting the notes from you. And yeah, um, I look. I always like working with you too because you take a lot of um, ownership of your training. So it's like if I'm um, if I'm behind because I was cutting a tile or have some yeah. horrible excuse, you'll be like, oh hey, I'm gonna be working out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And because you didn't see that workout come in yet, and it's like. It's like I never forget about people, but I love when people do that to me. That people think they're yeah. annoying me, but they're they're not yeah, when yeah. they do that. I'm like, I like that guy, I like that girl, <laughs> I like that they're doing that, you know. Yeah. But so, um, as a if you're uh, if you're somebody out there who's looking for ways to sort of get your mind around your your training, yeah. that's, that's that's a good thing, I think. So, so thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you. And the last thing I wanted that. to say is like you know. The, you know, in the world that we live in, you know, there's there are so many things going on, and mm-hmm. you know, there's so many issues going on in this world, and <clears throat> you know, like if it was up to me, maybe I would even be doing other stuff. But you know, I don't have those capabilities. I'm not a doctor. You know, right. I'm not able to to help people that are starving and stuff like that. And um, you know, jujitsu uh, is you know the way it's kind of trending recently. You know, it's 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 too much like gospel in my opinion. And uh, I just want to you know. Just say one thing that uh, you know it's it's not that serious. Like I treat it as life and death because that's what I have to do. Right. Um, but it's not that serious, and it's just a vehicle for people to better themselves in many many different ways, not only physically. Right. And uh, don't take it that serious. Have fun with your jujitsu. Right. But when you're there, when you're in the class, wherever cl- whatever class you're taking, you know, you be a professional. You know, treat it very seriously, and that's what's going to help you, you know, and better yourself. It's the tr- actual training itself, not not you know, not being part of the training is right. what I'm trying to say. No, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you have an open invitation to come back anytime if you want to elaborate on that topic and others because I'm sure we'll have a lot more The Mark DeSalvo Philosophy yeah. Podcast. Yes, know? definitely. No, I mean, it's uh, if, if you ever listen to the old one and uh, for anybody who's listening, like, for, for a few years with my, yeah. uh, a good friend of mine, I did this podcast called Functional Meatheads. And mm. We would talk sometimes for hours about a lot of this stuff, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, this will take whatever form it needs to. So that's all right. We'll um, leave it at yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I appreciate everybody listening today. Um, wherever you found it is where you can find next week's episode. So we'll have more to say about that soon. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, take guys. Care. Yep. Take care.